Saratoga Lights presents Thistle and Dirt. Next up, Pescadita. In a crowded rail car long after the sun had dipped below the horizon behind them, W.T. Allen rides toward his destination. The rhythmic motion of the train, while rough and jarring when it first left Laredo, has now become a soothing source of comfort for its weary passengers, even rocking a couple of them to sleep. W.T. can't seem to get comfortable enough for that. Instead, he looks out the window for things to occupy his mind. With only a cloudy moonlight to shine upon the Texas-Mexican line this evening, there's not much to be seen other than some thistle and dirt. Ain't the most scenic, is it? W.T. turns his head to the voice across the aisle and sees a stranger offering a knowing grin. Nah, I don't suppose it is. Care for a little nip? The stranger pulls a small silver flask from his jacket and offers it to W.T. Just don't let that pesky conductor see it. W.T. imbibes from the flask and offers his thanks as he passes it back to the stranger, who nods appreciatively. An oversized ring of keys belted to his waist jingles with each jolt and bump of the railcar. You work for the Santa Fe? The stranger looks down at his keys, then to W.T. with a warm smile. With the amount of traveling I do, you would think so. But no, sir. I am a courier. I shepherd precious cargo hither and yon, all over this great state and beyond. W.T. looks out the window again, and can only dimly see the deserted landscape as it passes beyond the glass. A set of yellow eyes appear, about twenty yards from the tracks, only to vanish just as quickly. Some emaciated coyote seeking something to satiate its hunger. W.T. closes his eyes and slides down slightly in his seat. W.T. is jolted awake by two long whistles and the broadcast of the conductor as he moves to the next car, presumably to make the same announcement. He sits up and tries to orient himself, noticing a number of new passengers, judging by the backs of heads that he can see from his particular vantage point. He glances across the aisle and sees at least one familiar face, that of the stranger. Didn't realize I drifted off. Try as we might. That heavy blanket of sleep eventually swaddles us all. So it seems. That pesky conductor attempted to wake you for your ticket, but I told him to let you slumber. I said, don't you dare interrupt a man's respite, is what I said to him I did. Apparently I needed it. W.T. looks out the window and sees raindrops streaking across the glass. A quick, blinding flash of light fills the sky as lightning spreads across the heavens like a spiderweb, allowing W.T. to see for miles and miles, if only for a second. And what he sees is more of the same, thistle and dirt. The thunder that accompanies each flash of lightning is not loud enough to overcome the roar of the train as it moves along the track. W.T. looks over to the stranger, calmly resting with hands folded over his rotund belly. Is it safe? You know, the stranger leans over to W.T., I can say, in all my travels on these great iron horses, that I've not seen a storm of any sort keep them from reaching their destination on time. 
One time on the Harrisburg line, we had a wildfire on either side of us for upwards of 17 miles. When that train pulled into Seguin, steel car white hot to the touch, smoking as it were, folks thought our point of departure had been hell itself. I told some paper man on the station platform, you're not too far off, it was a real scorcher. The stranger laughs a loud, boisterous laugh that gets the attention of a few other passengers. Heads turn to see the commotion and offer annoyed glances for the disruption at this hour, but the stranger pays them no mind. He merely takes another drink before offering it to W.T., who declines, embarrassed to be associated with a perceived rabble-rouser. He takes one more swig of the spirit before returning the flask to his jacket pocket. Just seems unsafe. You know, that pesky conductor likes to think that this is his show. The stranger gestures around the train car. He likes to think that he's in charge, but he ain't. You know who is? The brakeman. The stranger sits up and leans across the aisle to confide in W.T. The engineer can make this beast charge as fast as he wants. The conductor can bark orders from here to the moon, but if the brakeman don't want to go, then we don't go. If the brakeman wants us to go slow, then we go slow. If the brakeman wants us to go off the rails, well, he'll just throw that lever wide open and let the chips fall where they may. One long whistle blasts through the thunderous storm, indicating the approaching station, followed by the squeal of brakes being depressed. The stranger grins at W.T. Speak of the devil. Now arriving at Aguilera Station. The conductor punches W.T.'s ticket as the train whistle blows twice, the storm outside worsening as evidenced by the drenched outerwear of the newly boarded passengers. Grudgingly handing his ticket over to the conductor, the stranger watches him dutifully punch the card before continuing down the aisle to attend to the rest of the car. Suddenly the brakes release and the train jolts forward. Next stop, Angelos! Folks settle in for the journey. The familiar rhythmic motion of the car returns to a steady rocking as the train gets up to speed. Lightning continues to dance across the sky over the Texas plains with even more frequency illuminating a world seemingly made of nothing but thistle and dirt. W.T. searches out the window for something, anything, to break the monotonous view of the inhospitable terrain. Suddenly, the ghostly figure of a man appears outside, swinging a sledgehammer into the soil, only to disappear as quickly as the lightning dissipates and blackness once again overtakes the world. W.T. presses his head against the window and looks back straining to confirm whether the specter was real or imagined. With the next strike of lightning, W.T. can vaguely make out the figure in the distance, swinging his sledge once again. Some poor soul is outside in this weather. W.T. watches more ghostly figures materialize into existence with each and every crash of electricity in the sky above, only to seemingly disappear in a similar fashion. Men laying tracks and driving steel for the Santa Fe. Lots of them. The stranger looks over to W.T., seeing the concern on his face, and scoffs. Poor souls. 
Those men are free, masters of the world they inhabit and unencumbered by restraint or restriction. Poor souls, we are the poor souls. We intrepid travelers on this decrepit line. We who put our life in the hands of some unseen brakeman. Poor souls indeed. Four short whistles ring out in rapid succession, giving signal to the crew of some obstruction ahead. However, the train presses ever onward. W.T. looks around to the other passengers in the car, most of them asleep, with heads bowed in a pose of supplication. He stands to look up and down the car for the conductor or some other rail employee, but sees no one. Panicked, he returns to the stranger. We're not stopping. The stranger tries to suppress his laughter, but it slowly escapes his belly with glee as he begins to howl at the ceiling in amusement. W.T. looks back out the window in horror as figures, toiling in the storm, whip past the car with an ever-increasing frequency, oblivious to the distress that the train finds itself experiencing. The stranger wipes tears from his eyes while the car furiously rocks back and forth on the track. Four more whistles wail, short, urgent. Lightning strikes outside, accompanied by the never-ending roar of thunder and the crashing of steel and flesh and blood. By the break of the morning light, all that remains is the thistle and dirt of the plains. Thistle and Dirt is written and directed by Randall LaRue. Audio recording and engineering by Matthew David Rudd. Music by Randy Reynolds. Narrated by Heath Allen. Until next time.